Hello, I am Philip Kennedy. Thank you for downloading this podcast of the NYU Abu Dhabi Institute. We hope you enjoy listening to this. For more information about our programs, please visit www.nyuad.nyu.edu slash institute. Good afternoon, good evening, and um, good morning for whoever is connecting with us from our global audience uh, all over the space. Um, uh, thank you so much for tuning in for our NYU Abu Dhabi Institute tonight um, on scientific research and development in the UAE challenges and prospects. And tonight, I'd like to welcome all of you on the platform. Um, and I would like to first and foremost follow, um, uh, um, introduce and uh, welcome our esteemed guest, Dr. Bahjat Al-Youssef. Um, Dr. Bahjat, allow me to introduce you to our audience tonight. We're happy to have you here with us on the platform. Dr. Bahjat Al-Youssef has a career that spans over 30 years of experience in higher education in UAE um, and the R&D and science and technology community as well in UAE. Uh, prior to her current role as the Vice President of Outreach and Engagement um, in uh, Mohammed bin Zayed University for AI, uh, she was the Special Advisor to the President in Zayed University and Acting Vice President as well for Zayed University. And for a very long time, she was uh, the interim provost of Mazdar Institute. Dr. Al-Youssef has served as a member of the UAE, still I think serving as a member of the UAE Space Agency Board of Trustees, developing a national strategy for space exploration and capacity building. Congratulations, Dr. Uh, Bahjad, for the accomplishment that you, you and your team achieved uh, this week for all of us Emiratis and Arab in the room. Um, thank you uh, from the behalf of the community for celebrating today the first uh, picture that we have uh, received from the Mars prop um, um, uh, today. And also uh, Dr. Al-Youssef is as well involved in Zaid Sustainability Prize. Uh, she's a jury member as well in, uh, in uh, Adibic uh, Award. Um, and uh, she received her doctorate in software engineering from uh, Reading University in the UK. And for the female techs in the room, she also has a master degree in, compute, uh, in computing and math from Cardiff University and a bachelor degree in computer engineering from the University of North Carolina, Charlotte in the US. Welcome Dr. Bahja to the platform. Thank you, Dr. Hoda, and um, good evening, good day to everybody around the globe and this audience. It's been an honor to be invited to this uh, discussion, and I would like to thank NYU AD, uh, the Institute, and Dr. Hoda especially for reaching out to me and hosting me. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here. An honor to have you here with us. I cannot uh, tell you how the global community, starting with NYU Abu Dhabi Institute, thank you for facilitating everyone. As 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 we have always known, the institute has been a pillar for all of us in facilitating dialogue across uh, different researchers uh, in the community. And as well, I want to extend my thanks to the global 
community uh, of women in AI that has been celebrating this talk since yesterday over their social media and their membership of over 5,000 women around the globe and women in AI. And uh, they're celebrating your presence with us here tonight, Dr. Bahjad, and also Emirates Digital Association for Women. would like to thank them for their support and encouragement. And my fellows on the Women Economic um, and the World Economic Forum Council members who are here with us and Dubai Future uh, Foundation as well. Thank you for your constant support and for being part of our secret, uh, um, I would say, poll that we run around you, Dr. Bahjat. Um, so we run a small secret poll around you before we, uh, we, we start uh, uh, the conversation. And I would like to let you know about this in a while, in a bit. But first, I would like to introduce uh, the panel to our audience. Tonight, we are going to talk about the research uh, and development community out large in UAE, being scientific or creative, because we have received a great outlash from our audience about the fact that why or are, are we only talking about the scientific community? We need to discuss also our um, our creative community, and that's what we're doing here. Um, and leading the conversation on the importance of knowledge economy and building sustainable and reliable economic growth, the role of establishing a thriving science, uh, scientific uh, research ecosystem in the UAE and in the region has taken a significant and conscious transformation in the past few years. We have touched this firsthand through multiple projects that exist, projects that existed here in UAE. Um, and we've seen how the UAE has built instrumental ecosystem of research around the local and the governmental and, and, and the independent academic institution, in addition to research and technology industries and organization out large. Um, that's all just to influence an empowering nature of these R&D communities. And uh, the R&D in so many countries, not only UAE, are very critical engine to grant economic diversity and sustainability when it comes to being on a when it comes to sustaining a long-term impact, especially not only I'm not talking only about the GDP or the impact on job creations and also the impact that it's uh, that it creates on hedging risks. So when I talk about hedging risk, I'm also talking about the current global risk that existed because of the pandemic and how R&D process helped businesses stay agile and helped communities sustain their growth um, across this very hard time. Going back to the conversation, so we ran a secret poll about you, Dr. Bajat, and we asked your mentees and your uh, global collaborators and local collaborators to describe you in a few words. And we've never seen such uh, an agreement on, on how did you manage to get this soldier who's most of the time working in the background to come and speak in the front seats? We're so, um, we're so much delighted that you um, accepted our invitation and they all agreed on the fact um, that you are a role model in this field. You're a mover and shaker, an extreme professional and, and behind the scene advocate when it comes to promoting an ecosystem for research and development. And you are the champion when it comes 
for research communities and research-based industries. So we're with the right person in the room who would give us the right insights about all of this. Our first question for you tonight, where do you get this grit from? And if you want to share one thing with the audience that's not on your bio, what would that thing be? Thank you, Dr. Ahuda. I'm touched with uh, the comments that you have received and the poll that you have done. And I received my grit from that same audience and same group. Um, my students are my source of motivation. When we receive them, and by the time they leave us and you see the transformational change that has been done into them, not only from the knowledge base, but from personality, from thinking process, that is the most rewarding thing that keeps us going and pushing ourselves to continue going. Another thing is that I have been raised in a family that strongly believes in values. And something that we've been taught that when we want to do something, we need to do it from the heart with passion and we need to excel in it. And that value has risen with me. And I hope that I've been able to achieve it and practice it in every breath of this life. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Bashat. That's so heartwarming to know. And I hope that uh, our young audience would, uh, would appreciate this insight coming from you. Now, Definitely. the other part of your question is something that I don't say in my bio. Tell me. That's the juicy part of the question. <laughs> of course. Something that we don't want to say it in public that behind every successful person, there are hardship and there are failures. And I have failed. And I have failed more than once. Some of these failures were hard and we still remember them. Many times women's voices have not been there on here at the table, but with every failure, there is a lesson and there is a reason. And as long as we reflect, we learn, I was able to bounce back stronger and better. Great advice, a great advice. And I think all of these failures, we take them as learning lessons to keep on going and to keep on building always. So let's get into this discussion and let's get to talk about R&Ds, these kind of power engines that always there to critically transform a, a community and not only um, any community, but the global community at large. And we're talking about how R&Ds are the, the windows to grant economic diversity, sustainability, um, uh, uh, job creation, you know, you name it. We talked about this. We always talk about, about the fact that it's very important to focus on R&D expenditure um, as a percentage, for example, of the GDP, but it's more than this. It's actually on, to focus on R&D with its suicidal impact, with its economic impact, with, with its um, uh, long-term impacts that exist beyond this 
current uh, factor that we have. And UAE, we know that we've been always known to spend um, uh, less than 1% of the GPDB on this, um, um, on R&D. However, this is a fact that is changing at the moment. We've seen great efforts from the government of um, Abu Dhabi, for example, and the government of UAE in general to invest uh, on R&Ds. Uh, we've seen uh, Ghadan 21, which is an investment of 1 billion in R&Ds. We've seen as well uh, the 500 million uh, uh, UAE dirhams that is being invested uh, by Sharjah University to create Strip, which is another ecosystem here. And the many multitudes of former projects and current projects that you will talk to us about, Doctor, in the, the next scenario. Um, so my first question to you, how can we and the current ecosystem of UAE build and adjust the current research uh, uh, and R&D ecosystem being scientific or creative um, and build it in a, to have a better outcome and leverage um, and impactful prospects from the local and international communities. What would be the form of this ideal ecosystem we're talking about in UAE? Great question, Dr. Rahode. Let's look at UAE and the progress that it had done in the past 10 or 20 years. The number of universities has multiplied. And the number of different university models as well, not only in the number of universities. And Universities who are taught universities, some of them are undergraduate and postgraduate, some of them are graduate only. Something common among all of them is the role of R&D that every university in UAE has looked into. And that goes like a hand to a glove when we look at R&D and universities. And the drive of the UAE to push for R&D and capacity building. It has been in the heart of UAE Vision 2021. It has been in Abu Dhabi Vision 2030. And they all emphasize the move from carbohydrate economy to knowledge-based economy. And the pillars for a knowledge-based economy are education, that leads to innovation and sustainable development. So looking at that in one aspect and looking at pockets of initiatives and projects that the country has taken recently. If I go back to 2007-ish, when the word sustainability was something new, Abu Dhabi has established Master City with the notion of zero carbon at that time, sustainable city, and focusing on renewable energy. And within that, it created the Master and Institute arm that develops the capacity, the innovation to support the sustainable development. That project by itself in 10 years had put Abu Dhabi on the global map for anything related to renewable energy and uh, sustainable development. And it had taken that and, and showcased it to the world through Abu Dhabi Sustainability Week and so on and so forth and various forums. It shows how the government is driving R&D. 
And then we have the space mission. And thank you for congratulating me. I think the congratulation goes to all of us for being able to support the space mission, the UAE, being young. We received tons and tons of criticism about UAE will not make it. UAE is an infant in the world of a space mission. And guess what? We made it. And we made it build on national capacity. The youth of space agency and the youth of Mohammed bin Rashid Space Center that have dedicated years and hundreds of hours to make this mission success. It is one of those moments that the whole country, the nationals and the residents in the country were glued to see that success. It happened at the launch and it happens when it got engaged into the Mars atmosphere. These drives that the country are doing, it's all to support the notion of that knowledge-based economy. And this is where the universities needs to take this and think, what should we do to meet this objective and to excel and to go beyond these objectives? Mm -hmm. So your question was talking about the research ecosystem. And I think it's good to agree on a definition of what do we mean by research ecosystem? And in my opinion, and for the sake of this discussion, I would like to emphasize that the ecosystem means a community of researchers that collaborate together, interact together, and support one another. And they need to interact and collaborate with their internal and stakeholders and external stakeholders in the way that knowledge is created and transferred among them for the better of lives. So what I mean by this, we need to create those communities of researchers that will sit together, collaborate and interact and build that multidisciplinary team for them to work together on research. This is what we need to now focus on and creating that ecosystem. Universities across UAE need to collaborate together. They need to share knowledge and work together to address those real problems. In my opinion, sharing knowledge is a must for developing that research ecosystem. And I'm gonna take an international example to support this argument of collaboration among universities. The Broad Institute is a joint research institute between MIT and Harvard in Cambridge, Massachusetts. If we look at MIT, MIT is known for its science and engineering, Harvard is known for medicine and healthcare. They joined forces and created the Broad Institute to supplement and to complement each other and create that collaborative environment that transforms medical sciences into multidisciplinary approach. And they, what they also did, Harvard brought it affiliated hospitals with Harvard to work in those research labs to address most difficult challenges in biomedical research. This is a 
catalyst for a win-win where universities join together. MIT knew what are their strengths, what are they missing? And Harvard knew the same. What are their strengths and what are the skills that they need? Engineers and medical scientists joining hand in hand for a better of human life. Another example, which is also very close to my heart, is at the time of 2007, when Mustard was established and the R&D arm of Mustard was Mustard Institute to support R&D and renewable energy. Mustard Institute partnered with MIT and with MIT to learn from the best, we sort of advanced. We didn't have to reinvent the wheel. We learned from the best and whatever has been achieved in a decade out of Mustard Institute was a beacon for renewable energy R&D. It really had created that flagship that if you want to get the best R&D in renewable and, uh, energy, Mustard Institute is the place. So it's very important for universities to look at what do they need and what can they give and create that culture of collaboration among universities. We don't have universities collaborating in a joint research labs or creating institutes. We have government research labs, such as Baruj, and we have government funding research, such as ATREC or ADIC, obviously. But we want to see more of university to university collaboration, joint programs. That is what I think should develop that ecosystem that we are talking about. And we, let's also focus on the role of industry in that collaborative and ecosystem. There are so many industry-based research labs or institutes around universities internationally, but we don't have many here in the country. Let's look at MIT, IBM, Watson Research Lab. Let's look at Global Foundries Research in Germany. We need those industries to come and help us and work with us in a joint research. Of course, we need to say what we will give to these industries because that is very important. It has to be a win-win for it to be sustainable. So these are some of the good examples that we need to do with. And something that we need to do also and to think as researchers is why we are doing research. What do we want to gain out of these research? What are the outcomes that we want to get out of these researches? What role should each university play in supporting their research ecosystem? I am personally not in favor of publication, publication, publication. Publication is good. I'm not saying it's not, but we need to take things in perspective and in balance. We need to know why we are doing research. What is the outcome of that research? When researchers work, when they know who's going to benefit from that research, that engagement and passion comes with it. 
And then to conduct research and to have that sustainable ecosystem, there are a couple of things that we need also to focus on. Number one is the talent, the human capital, being students at graduate schools, being faculty that we attract, being researchers, and being behind the scene administrators and technicians that support the research development. We need the right culture, the agile culture that allows researchers to be creative and break all the norms of the policies and the bureaucracies. We need the infrastructure to support research. If a researcher spends time in setting their lab and looking for research equipment and research computing and the safety measures of their lab, that is not the best use of the researcher's time. You need the supporting system to develop those uh, infrastructure that supports faculty and researchers. And something that also very important is the funding. Today, many universities in UAE depend on government funding. We need to diversify that into creating pockets of research grants, competitive calls for research. And that's what UAE, I think, through ATRIC is trying to build, is to create that platform to support research and research that is so much relevant to the country's needs. So in a nutshell, this is what I mean, that universities need to play the role of being the engines for development. They need to have created the talent. Uh, they need to disseminate knowledge. They need to create that culture and nurture the culture of collaboration, innovation. We need to partner with industry and we need the support for research grants and funding. So I will stop for now and we can elaborate on some of these as we go throughout the talk later on. Thank you, Dr. Bajad. That's been very insightful. Indeed, it's, it takes an infrastructure, a culture, a great team and stakeholder uh, kind of leverage to build this ecosystem. So I'm going to push the envelope a little bit and ask you, what if I have all of these elements in hand? And my main concern at the moment is how to make it sustainable, how to make sure that this ecosystem and programs that are built are sustainable to, to stand for the next, uh, uh, you know, 50 plus years, for the next 100 years. How can we make sure that the structure we built is actually an agile structure that can uh, address talent build and retention of talent and upscaling and rescaling this talent on a different level. Uh, and as well in terms of having sustainable funding, you've addressed few issues on the funding aspects. I will also ask you, I think we have a few uh, questions from the audience as well on this, so we can address them later on. Great question. To have a sustainable ecosystem, you need to have the right culture, the right resources, and engagement with the stakeholders. And in UAE, I feel that the research culture is very crucial to that sustainable 
ecosystem. When we say collaboration among research teams, something that it is very crucial to that collaboration and cooperation is trust. You are a researcher, Doctora, and when you have an idea, you might hesitate to go and talk to a colleague about it or to a group of colleagues about it. Because many times you might be scared that they might take your idea and they can do something with it. And that is normal with so many researchers. That trust to enable interaction, sharing, debating, cooperating for the greater good is what we need. Those are grassroots level basic things that we need to do. That trust, if it has been established, then it takes it to collaboration among teams and cross-disciplinary collaboration that will increase the productivity of our region. And we don't need only to increase the productivity, we need to do it in an effective and efficient way. And that comes to my second point, what I said earlier about research management and resource management. We have funding. It's just how to search for the funding is the question. And the engagement with government and with industry to support research is good. But universities need also to manage their resources in a way that it makes it more effective. I mean, the world of sustainability means doing more with less. And we need to practice that when we look at resource management within research. Today, with COVID situation and economic downtown, there would be reduction in research funding in some areas. Industries will prioritize their research expenditure. Here, where universities need to develop a mechanism of managing whatever resources they have without showing any impact on research activities. And that is an art. I wouldn't say it's easy, but we need always to think about how we manage our resources for those times when the funding goes low, less. Some examples might be that universities need to seek external revenues for research grants. They can run some executive programs to develop talent, and then that fund-generated supports research. My third point is the role of stakeholders. And there are two types of stakeholders, internal stakeholders and external uh, stakeholders. What do we mean by internal stakeholders? Are our talent? being PhD students, being researchers, being faculty, and the support from the leadership that nurtures that culture for innovation and research. Enabling the internal team to have that culture and to trust each other to collaborate, that will take us a long way to create the research culture. When it comes to external stakeholders, we look as research institutes 
for universities, for external stakeholders as funding institutes or funding partners. We need to look at it, what do they need and what do we as a university and R&D arm will provide them as an output? And then the funding will come. One thing that universities need from external stakeholders is access to data. Today, many researchers in UAE are facing issues with data accusation. By partnering with external entities, especially with governments that own data, and the government to trust that this data is in good hand and will be of a good use, then partnership on these would be beyond funding because the government will see the outcome of this data acquisition that has been given to universities. And that creates a culture of cooperation and collaboration. And as I said, that things have to be done in balance. And as much as universities look at publication, they have to do things in balance. Fundamental research and applied research need to be in balance to support the career, the knowledge creation and better good for the scholars and also to address a real-time problem. So in summary, to answer your question, Dr. Ahuda, is a sustainable research ecosystem. We need to have talent, what makes talent come to UAE? We need to create the right culture, the culture of trust, collaboration, cooperation among universities, and creating a multidisciplinary research group to address problems. And the emphasis on building relationship with external stakeholders, such as government and partnering with industry to advance the research output. Perfect, thank you so much, doctor. So my third question is going to address the failures that you have just talked about. And in the light of the quote of Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid uh, Al-Maktoum, when he said that knowledge is defining factor of our time and knowledge decides whether countries are strong or weak, whether they progress or fall behind, whether they are active or inactive, whether they are rich or poor, whether they seize opportunities or miss them. If we are to create a knowledge-based society, we must boost economy, uh, knowledge creation in the Arab world. You talked about making sure that we are the home, the proper home of research and development when we are building this institution. But what about building from the inside as well, equivalently as attracting the global community? What do you think are the major challenges that would exist today for an R&D for both scientific and creative societies? I know that you dealt mostly with the scientific societies in UAE, but also the creative societies that wish to be part of this R&D here in UAE. Um, how the different stakeholders should address these challenges and resolve them today? I'll try to address it in a general context rather than focusing on science or art. Sure. 
um, if we look at universities and from undergraduate to career path, there is a lot to focus on engineering. If we look at science, STEM actually, not only science. And there is a lot of emphasis on business and communication if we look to the areas outside science. And the world has really changed since that time. Something that we learned from COVID-19 pandemic is that we were hungry for science graduates. Where are the biologists? Where are the chemists? Where are the physicians? That they will be working in providing solutions. And I feel that one of the challenges that we have in UAE is to go through that paradigm change, change the perspective that the world of career development and sustainable career path is not only engineering. And to convince youth to study science or to study art, we need to start with that end in mind. What are the career opportunities for that youth to go and study these disciplines? And here where the role of industry comes into the play, the role if we again take pandemic as an example, the biotech companies, the pharmaceutical businesses, they are the ones that today we are looking at them the most. The ones who created the vaccines and different uh, technologies behind vaccines are based on science more than engineering. And that's what we need here in the UAE to create those career opportunities beyond engineering. Another thing that I want to emphasize, which I've said also previously, is the access to research funding platforms. If we look at the states, the agencies that support funding are well known and many university faculty and researchers, they don't look at internal funding as much as they look for external funding for research. We want those research grant offices that makes calls for proposals and looks at submissions. And it's not only pockets of here and there. No, it is multifaceted research that needs to be looked at. And another challenge that I think we have is that the clarity of what is the needs. We always hear that we need relevant research. There are short-term relevance and there are long-term relevance. Universities always think of long-term because what is needed today, universities cannot provide it. It takes time. So that roadmap and clarity over the long run of what are the relevance areas that we need to focus on as universities? And I'd like to praise the space mission because right from day one, that roadmap was very clear that that mission is to go and study Mars atmosphere. And there was call to universities to start four years before today to develop their capacity, to develop their curriculum, to develop their research for today. And 
I'm not sure if we have universities across UAE who are ready to receive and hungry to receive the images and the data that Hope will be sending to us for us to be the first receivers of that uh, of those images and data and for us to hit the ground running and say this is what we're going to do with that I'll be pleasantly surprised if we have that and this is where relevance is shown and this is a great model and case study for UAE to say this is an area that it is untapped and we want to develop talent and we want to develop knowledge in that area and it had given enough time for universities to develop their own capacities for today we will see how much UAE will be able to take that and run with it Thank you so much, Doctor. I think we're already running with part of it, like massively. If we compare the ecosystem that exists globally in Scandinavian countries, for example, where they run universities around research centers and around these industrial research collaborations to empower the, the, the ongoing academic research to have this direct link and direct channel with industry, where you could see the uh, feasible impact um, in, in, in the near future, not in the far future, uh, in, in different societies. We are seeing UAE through the channels of, for example, the Future Foundation and the channels of other research communities that are being created, which are not only in academia, but they're cross borders between academia and between industry and between the government. They're opening the dialogue and they're opening the impact window for researchers to not only have this what you have just called uh, an abundance of publication, but also a contribution as well to the academic research, but also a contribution to the world of societal impact and industrial impact in UAE and outside UAE. And hopefully we'll see more of this uh, in, in the very soon future. So we are going to talk about ideal scenarios now. For you, what would be the ideal scenario if we want to create uh, a sustainable research and development communities in UAE. I'm not talking about government-backed communities or industry-backed communities, but how can we work on the grassroots efforts? You talked about grassroots efforts and building this authentic culture of a trust among researchers. How can we build that across platform? What kind of pathways should exist? Um, and how can we make sure that these communities could access as well open source resources of research to empower them to create their own platforms. For example, if I don't want to do research within the boundary of a university or within a boundary of a research center, what options do exist, do I have out there to take to continue to do my research based on specific individual funding outside of these uh, current norm of research communities? Well, that's a very good question. And one thing that I see that we need to do in, in order to retain and circular the research platform is retaining the talent that universities have developed. The PhD graduates, if we look at statistics, and how many of them go back to their 
universities and work as postdocs and then eventually as faculty. Creating that path for students, graduate students, to, to work in research and to be part of the university faculty, I think is something that we really need to emphasize. And I look at that to be a grassroots, creating a career path for researchers and for retaining uh, postgraduate students, PhDs and postdocs, to retain them is, in the university is very important. I need also to be very candid here that in UAE today, talent is important. We attract talent and we attract talent by giving them the faculty who come, the environment that supports and uses research, uh, good living standards and so on. And what we need, we need to retain that talent. And the more we will be able to keep the talent that we have returned and developed um, the better and sustainable our research output will be. We need to create different platforms for faculty, as you said, the faculty, the PhDs and the researchers who are part of any other organizations, whether being industry or research lab, to be giving back to universities by being part-timers or adjuncts, because they are the ones who have those experiences that they can become. And their talent is being sort of created and maintained within the university. So that creating that value creation is very important for sustaining the R&D. And then with all of these challenges, there is there are tons and huge opportunities. Something that as an opportunity that I feel we are very blessed here in UAE is the support for the, the leadership. And you quoted Sheikh Mohammed talking about uh, knowledge creation. And that support is not seen in many other parts of the world. The engagement of the leadership with the development of the country is very important. The country that it is just 50 years old, where the glue between the leadership and these pockets of knowledge creation is very important. If we look at UAE, we have created an innovation index. We have created the four IR strategy. We were the first to create an AI ministry with an AI strategy. We were the first of having a graduate level university, Mohammed bin Zayed University, specialized in artificial intelligence. Our mission to Mars, as we just talked about it, having a nuclear uh, power generation. All of these initiatives lead to one thing, which is the support from the leadership and supporting knowledge creation and advancing the knowledge-based economy. And I think that that is a pride that all of us need to take to achieve that critical mandate and mass of supporting the R&D. And I hope and I'm sure that we will achieve it sooner rather than later. I am positive 100% it would be sooner and we'll be celebrating it to jump to yet another challenge 
for all of us uh, in this country because we are always on a race of the challenges. And you answered actually my last question, which was about how can we define opportunities that come within the R&D communities in UAE. You answered partially some of it, and I want to just tackle one point. Why? Why would I choose to be within an R&D community in UAE rather than anywhere else globally? You answered the fact that we do follow, we have the endorsement of the leadership, and we tend to jump into unique ideas faster and than any other nation in an accelerated manner. We tend to have this kind of a green card of foregoing challenges and I would say bureaucracy of systems faster than others. But what else do you think we can highlight here if we want to tell the world why the R&D community in UAE is a bit unique and a bit different than anybody else in the world, than anywhere else in the world? The support from the leadership comes not only as a support, but the whole ecosystem that supports the universities that we have in UAE are very much international and they aim to have the best practices. We all have best practices that we want to adapt. Looking at NYUAD, it, I tell you humbly that one of our benchmarks is to look at NYUAD as practices being a local university. And that sort of speeds up our adaptability and speeds up our ability to be ranked between the top and the world. We are not reinventing the wheel. We are exponentially growing fast and by learning from the best. At the time where we have collaborated with MIT, why MIT? Because we wanted to learn from the best of the best. Creating that international community within universities, every university in UAE, is considered an international university. And that enables the agile university. It enables adaptability of the talent that we are trying to attract. Plus geographical location. We are in the middle between East and West. We have uh, excellent transportation and logistics system. And living standards in UAE is next to none. Yeah. Thank you, Doctor. I think it's time to welcome our uh, our third partner here on, on the conversation, which is the audience. And we have really um, good questions coming from the audience. I think one of them, I would like to thank Derek Glidwan from the Environmental Agency in Abu Dhabi because he listened to you the minute you were talking about uh, creating this kind of... Um, uh, Rus, uh, grat, uh, grat, uh, grassroots kind of communities. And he uh, posted the challenges, the research challenges that exist within environmental agencies and exactly opportunities for volunteers and their research hub. So everyone who is part of this conversation who would like to know our work with environmental agency, look in the chat and reach out to Derek uh, Gledon. Thank you, Derek, for, for being so supportive of the initiative. We have a few other questions. I would like to start with the questions coming from um, Dalia Mahmoud. Uh, and she's saying, Dr. Bahjat, lovely to hear from you again. I'd like to hear your insight on the role, uh, on the integral role of industries uh, affiliated uh, to the various academic fields. How can we 
propel and support the, uh, the participation, uh, the participants and the stakeholders and academics to further enha enhance um, innovation beyond ideas. She wants action, Dalia, I think. <laughs> Tanya or Dalia, good question. I think what I would do, I would go to those industries and I will sit with them. I will talk to them. What is important is to say and to convince them what is it there for them to come and establish an R&D arm in the universities. Usually with industry, they look for solutions and not much of having time for R&D. And to come universities that will say, we know that you need help and X, Y, Z, and we have the talent and this is how we do it. In my opinion, that is the starting point for building that collaboration and partnership with industries to come. Um, sometimes, it could be easier done. Many times it could be not easy to be done because the perception is that we will go to the big players. We'll go to Stanford's, we'll go to the MIT's, we'll go to the Oxford's. And to come to universities in UAE, the trust maybe is not there. And that's what we need to do that we need to give them the trust. We need to be very clear what we give against what they need to create that collaborative platform for establishing a working relationship. Great. So we have a second follow-up on this. Uh, a question as well uh, from uh, Rania. She's asking, what about diversity of the population and talent? What about reaching out to the local um, to the local institution and the local build of R&Ds and redefining them similarly to what uh, entities in South Korea have done and entities in um, KSA, um, uh, Saudi Arabia has done as well. They're not only focusing on universities, but also this kind of, um, uh, you know, cross-border collaboration between industry, government and universities. What's your intake on this? Diversity is very important. And usually universities need to look at diversity of its talent, the diversity of its stakeholders and diversity across the line. Something that I would like to see in UAE when it comes to diversity is the gender balance. So far, we don't have university president to be a female let alone we don't have a provost to be a female in UAE universities. And I'm sure that there are capable women. We just need to look at the diversity also from the gender perspective. I'm not saying that we are against, we are with numbers, but I'm looking at women that they bring a difference. They bring a breath of fresh air when it comes to university leadership. And we need to see women. It is time for UAE universities to have an impactful and successful female to lead universities. Um, when it comes to population and the role of partnering with uh, industry and government, 
by all means, if we want to do advanced research, we have to go to industry because they always do research with thinking of economical value and research for the sake of return on investment. It is rewarding, it's challenging at the same time, but the output of it will be something for a better good and uh, improvement of human life. The improvement of human life, that's exactly what we're at after the suicidal impact. So we have a question from Bola England. Great last name, Bola. Uh, the social sciences use the scientific method uh, and produce relevant uh, knowledge relevant to achieving goals of economic development, educational excellence, and many other social goals. Outside universities are UAE, um, are UAE government agencies providing funding for science, considering uh, considering including social sciences in their mis mission. I think it would be useful. if we can, uh, if the funding for social sciences would also be as generous as the funding for sciences, for example, in UAE. I think that's what Paula meant. Thank you, Paula. Thank you. So, Paula might be right that there is more focus on science uh, research funding. Something that I see, and I've said it uh, in my talk earlier, is that the world of research today is multifaceted and multidisciplinary. And if we look, for example, at research in artificial intelligence, there is a lot of need to have the natural scientists, there is a lot of need to have the social scientists, the psychologists who take the natural intelligence into perspective of training the artificial intelligence to act as natural. So I wouldn't look at social science as a standalone field anymore. I look at it as an integral part of a multidisciplinary research. And social scientists also look at data in a way that they provide healthy simulations towards decision makers and the impact of those decisions on um, societies and that needs to be looked at very importantly and governments need to support social scientists i just want to suggest that it has to be put in the notion of the social sciences that are interdisciplinary for achieving a, a problem that it is needed within uh, societal need. Perfect. Thank you, doctor. So we have a question from Aitab uh, Sukriya, and she's asking, don't you think that we need to know the needs of the whole country? How do you make sure that a certain piece of research is really addressing the needs of the country, rather a sect of this country? Good question. And that where the clarity of the research roadmap at the national level is important. But then when universities come to conducting research, there is quote unquote freedom of research that researchers would like to experience. 
And at the same time, there is also that national agenda that they need to contribute to and to seek funding for in order for them to do research that are relevant. So things have to go in balance. And we need to bring the right talent for each pocket of those researchers, the multidisciplinary research as well. We need to bring in the talent that they are passionate about that research. But it starts with that clarity from the top down. This is what are the areas of relevance. I think some of the lessons that we learned from COVID is that the whole world are united on what the world needs as a priority for research. Uh, the speed of having a vaccine where the researchers across the world invested in R&D through government and different agencies funding that the world needs a vaccine. That was clarity. And we need similar clarities and we need it on the bigger scale as a nation. What do we need? research to emphasize in. And that what it will drive universities to attract the talent, to develop the programs, and to be able to contribute back to the country based on their national priorities. Thank you, Doctor. We have also an interjection from Dr. Saeed Al-Dahiri, who is the CEO of the Center of Future Studies in Dubai University, and he's saying, He's saying, I hope this conversation is summarized and focused into action plan that comes out of it and addressed to all stakeholders into the R&D space in this country. Would love to see something comes out of this conversation, definitely. Uh, and he's thanking both of us. I think he's putting all the pressure on both of us so to make sure that there is an action plan after this conversation. Thank you, Dr. Saeed. Definitely will do that. Oh, we have as well uh, a question uh, from uh, depart, I think someone in the health industries here, which is very interesting. Uh, it's from, um, I'm sorry if I don't know how to pronounce the name correctly. It's Prev Doz, Dr. Dirk Rich, uh, Richter, and he's saying, I'm working with, uh, with Abu Dhabi Department of Health, being a member of the Abu Dhabi Health Research and Technology Committee, and also a lead, uh, uh, also a lead within the health tech team in Hub 71. Hence, I can only talk about health. One of my insights is that there is a still potential of improvement to support university researchers in commercializing their results. Would be interesting to know what, what kind of improvements uh, are we potentially anticipating, Dr. Bahjat, um, to translate the, res, uh, the research work of, P, uh, of the uh, community um, and, and, and the health sector into commercialized results? If we look at the technology readiness uh, map, there is the basic research, fundamental basic research, there is applied research, and then the last phase is um, technology transfer and technology readiness for it to be commercialized. And we need to create that ecosystem for commercialization of R&Ds into spin-offs and accelerators. There are huge opportunity for the health sector and there is huge demand as well for health sector uh, startups uh, that comes out of R&D labs. I think what we need to do is access to big 
tested labs, we need to have access to funding to take those commercializations from spin-offs to startups to being an SME. And that will come. However, unfortunately, it's not there today. And we need to work together with the authorities, we need to work with the universities, we need to work with the funding agencies to support those R&Ds into commercialization. That innovation ecosystem has to be part of that equation that we are looking at it. I, I repeat, we are not pushing for research for the sake of research. It has to be for a better good of human lives. And the better good is through having some products and some of the researchers that humans will benefit from it, where lives will benefit from it. And that is the spectrum that we need then to take it and drive the R&D into that commercialization level. I couldn't agree more. Perfect. And I think Aisha Alhamis, uh, she is following up on this and she's saying, what if we had a framework that include priorities for public benefits of society? Like, for example, I would think focusing on SDG goals and focusing on research driven for like uh, SD, uh, SDG goals and a global impact as well. Would this help? That's what she's asking. Aisha, yes, it will help. And we need to include also researchers interest. Uh, researchers will focus on what interests them. And the more we create that diversified interest of researchers, we will be addressed to uh, we'll be able to address the whole spectrum. And we need to make it also more focused, that universities need to be focused. What is their niche? What is their flagship? And sustainability has nine SDGs. And if we look at some of them, it goes across all. For example, education is one of the SDGs. Um, gender balance is one of the SDGs. Health is one of the SDGs and so on. So there are some aspects of the SDG that can be cross uh, all the platforms. And there are ones that are very specific. For example, SDG is access to clean water. What research are we doing to provide access into clean water and so on and so forth. It all is driven by needs and by enthusiasm and the right talent. Perfect. And definitely the framework will help. Perfect. Thank you, doctor. I will add a few of the comments from the audience because they're coming in the, in the, in the Q&A and I'm trying to dismiss them. So I think it's good to just mention a few. So we have greetings from Egypt, from Mohammed Wahban. And um, uh, and also from Fatima, she's saying, thank you, Dr. Bahjat, for inspiring us. Thank you, Fatima, for being part of the audience. We have Dr. Mu'taz Al-Barawani, our own in NYU AD, and he's asking one of the challenges of inter-university collaboration is the past, in the past was that the leadership of many of the local universities were reluctant to collaborate locally due to the mistaken notion that the other university will steal the research idea, as you have just described. How can we incentivize cross-collaboration? I have an idea. I have just an insight right now based on this question. I remember through the time that I spent in Scandinavia that there was actually a separate fund coming from the government in Scandinavia only for cross 
interdisciplinary research and cross-university research. So, so if, unless you're collaborating cross universities, you don't access this fund and it was a massive fund for, for people within the community. So any insight to, to help Muatez and everybody else break through these barriers? Come to MBCU AI. <laughs> Muatez. <laughs> okay. We are ready so, for that, yeah. God bless. Thank you, doctor. So uh, we have, I would also say that we have to give credit to Abu Dhabi RNDA uh, Authority because they have initiated uh, a very generous fund uh, in the past four months. Uh, I think, uh, I don't know if it was around $1 billion, which was part of it was also um, meant to attract cross-university uh, research uh, collaborations. And it was one of the mandatory items that you have to have cross-university research collaborations. So it's very good for us to see the funding entities pushing for it as well. And uh, so next we have a few questions from Nada Rizqallah. Nada sent me three questions and I think uh, she's an avid uh, potential PhD student if she's not already a PhD student. She's saying, how do we plan, uh, how do you plan to attract talents and professionals willing to commit to contribute to the research uh, like other majors university who fund and pay them um, attractive packages and sponsorships? I think we need to give you a bit of awareness uh, examples here because in UAE we have done that uh, a lot in the past and we're still endorsing researchers and uh, in, in massive uh, you know levels. Uh, Dr. Bahjat, if you want to enlighten uh, Nada here because I think she asked a couple of questions around the same kind of how would you incentivize researchers, how would you incentivize and attract PhD students um, and fund them through their PhDs. The Attraction, I think every recruitment office and universities, they have their own way of uh, selling the university. But something that it is very common is that students will come for their faculty, especially postgraduate students. They look at the faculty, they will come for faculty. And then they will come for the right environment that supports their career path and career development. But the number one is they look for faculty that they want to collaborate and work with them. And that is, in my opinion, the most important factor is that when you have the right faculty, the right talent, then students will be looking for them. All of us have been uh, graduate students. When we search for universities, of course, the reputation and the culture of the university is important. We look for which advisor and which professor we want to work in. What is our research ambitions? And therefore, it's right for us when we attract talent is to bring in the right faculty that brings in the right students. That's very important. And I think I would like to highlight as well, you were part of an institute, which is Mostar Institute, who gave 100% scholarship to students coming from everywhere in the world for their master and PhD program. So Nada, there is hope. And also Mohammed Ben Zayed University is doing it again. Yes. through the 
graduate level program for master and PhD. NYU Abu Dhabi as well. Uh, I mean, beside the very competitive uh, program that we have for our undergraduate, we have also uh, a very generous PhD program, but yet very competitive PhD program. Uh, so, and uh, the same thing for Bahuth program that exists with Khalifa University and that also endorses uh, students across board for full scholarship. So, take advantage of this, Nadar Zqallah, and hopefully we'll see you on, on the ground with us. Uh, we have another question. Well, if I may interject, thank you for reminding me about the scholarship benefits, because that's very important for students to know about uh, how their studies will be funded. As you just perfectly said that all of these examples that you have provided are uh, fully supporting and funding from paying tuition to cost of living and annual tickets. And there is no request for binding the graduate to work in UAE or or to work in um, at the university, although we are we are encouraging them to retain them in the country and within the university, but there is no uh, binding uh, statement with students. Okay. So there is a specific question from Dr. Ahmed Adabag, and he's asking why you don't like the word non-academic researchers and you prefer industrial researchers. Dr. Ahmed, you know my opinion on that. And when we are in a university, we need to look at research as being part and in the core of our research and academic values. R&D and academia, in my opinion, are a hand to a glove. And we don't want to create pockets of uh, core activities within the universities. If we create a pillar for non-academic research, then that becomes an empire by itself and academic research becomes another empire. The more we create interaction and synergy between them, the better it would be for resource management and for advancement of talent and research. So they have to be interrelated, integrated as much as we can. We want our students to experience real-time problems through industry research. We want our faculty to show commitment to these real-time projects. We don't want to do research for the sake of a research that it meets an academic requirement. We want students and faculty to be engaged in industry real-time project. And that's why I don't like the word non-academic because I feel that it's all need to be integrated and will enter with it. A very great comeback, doctor. We needed to hear that and we needed to do that. So thank you, Dr. Ahmed, for the question. Um, so we have another question from Lama Atif, and she's saying, firstly, I'm glad to attend such a fruitful webinar. Thank you uh, for your efforts. My question is, um, as a researcher in social science field, can social science like mass communication, marketing, etc., cetera, contribute in R&D research centers and universities and how it can be done if there is a possibility for such contributions? We need to clarify these misconceptions because people think it's only science. And we need to tell them it's about people lying. The future is a human and the future is about social sciences. So we need to include them. So what is your comeback to Lama Atav, doctor? Lama, social science, especially in today's day and time, 
is very critical and important. And the, the amount of data that social scientists have in driving government agendas and in driving research is very crucial. I remember that uh, at one time we had a group of students who want to gauge um, people's happiness, being a social scientist with working with computer scientists. And to gauge people's happiness, they had to go into social media and look at people's um, uh, publications on social platforms and to gauge people's happiness level. And UAE is one of the pioneering country in making people happy. And that has not been done without the role of the social scientists. So I think we need, as Dr. Rahoda said, to remove that misperception about social science. Today, it is very crucial and a lot of work that are being done in STEM needs social scientists and the way they segregate and dissect data is very important. 100%. And I have a few comments here from my fellows in the World Economic Forum that says more funding for social sciences should be coming up. So promise you that we will try and we'll see where we're going. So we have another question with Rhonda Mott and she's saying, Mott, sorry, Rhonda, delighted to hear your thoughts, Dr. Bahjat. What are your thoughts about more ground roots uh, effort and uh, secondary schools to stimulate students' experiences? I would say not only secondary schools, though, Rhonda, to, st to stimulate students' experiences in industry work to develop their career path and STEM and innovation. Can I add to that? How can we support students in schools to have their own innovative entrepreneurial platform? So even if they become good at research, they, ca they can commercialize something. How can they, we support them beyond that into an entrepreneurial platform as well? The floor is yours. I'm sorry, I'm not that much aware of various um primary education models. But out of experience, there are some programs that requires high school children to be engaged in basic uh, research and to write good lab reports. And I think that what education needs to do is ignite the mind with curiosity rather than filling the mind with knowledge and and I believe that UAE school systems have done a great job in moving in that direction. Um, usually what happens with education that we want immediate effect and immediate impact. With any change that any education system brings, you need at least a decade to see the outcome of that change. And, we, and I think it is happening. I can talk to you about my own experience with my children. My children have done IB program. They have written excellent lab reports. And the idea of having how to write a scientific paper was embedded in them from high school. So when they went to university, it was a given for them that they need to ask the right questions 
and to be able to have more uh, those interesting questions and do research to support it. Industry is very important. The career path is very important. I would like to see more engagement of industry within schools, not only to have uh, an event day or a volunteer day, but more to have more of exposure of the high school children to what the world of industry really is. And create that mapping between the child's interest and the exposure that they want to be involved in. We as parents, sometimes we want our children to be the best of the best. And sometimes we forget that they are different human beings and we need to listen to them and to nurture their interest as well. Yeah, 100% with you in there. And let me add to this. UA is doing a great job at injecting and upskilling this little amazing researchers and humans into the ecosystem. We have Sunduq Al-Watan who has initiated, who initiated Barnamaj Mohibitna, the program of our talent, also immersing them into different industries and getting them into advanced research. Also, we have UAE uh, Programming Academy. We have the initiatives that, uh, the initiative that has just been launched by Generation 42 in Ghadan 21, which is also about programming. We have the Future Foundation initiatives around 3D printing and introducing the curriculum of 3D printing within schools. We had as well looked into uh, many other initiatives of doing this kind of university-level internships, endow themselves, we've been part of this. We've been very happy to mentor students who came into university-level research and graduated of it and got, because of the advanced research that they have done, they eventually got acceptance in universities like Stanford, Harvard, and, and, and Oxford. Um, it improved their chances of acceptance because they tackled this advanced level of research. So doing our best, to shake the ecosystem around us and to build these opportunities. So join us if you are part of the community out there. We have Maya Sarino, she's saying greeting from Lebanon, studying social sciences. So this is also for the social sciences in the house. I think they are taking a momentum there. Hassan Arafat, and he's saying, it's heartwarming to see you, Dr. Bahjat. I humbly believe that the UAE needs a national science policy, similar to other countries with knowledge-based economy. This policy would first set R&D priorities areas based on the national economic growth vision to create funding mechanisms to stimulate undirect research towards the, those high priorities areas and three stimulate mechanisms for sustainable interdisciplinary and cross-institutional collaboration, collaborative research through such R&D cells. Such policy needs to be allowed so, uh, sufficient time to bear fruit and be completed with a feedback loop from the researchers in the field to help for self-correcting and improvement. Thank you, uh, Hassan Arafat, a very valid point. I don't think there is a question, but there is a great remark. Thank you, Hassan. Um, we have another question from Mohammed Wahba that says, uh, Doctor, which research do you prefer better for you personally? The one that uh, depends on PPL or RPL or both completed uh, or both complete each other? Um, I would just push this offline at the moment. Um, um, I think... 
Okay. So my question is, this is from Khalid Naimi. Uh, greeting to Dr. Bahjat uh, um, from Masdar Institute alumni, Khalid Naimi. He's saying, my question is, how can a university play a role in building and planting the seeds for new sectors of industry in UAE? Um, reference to Masdar Institute when it was established uh, when, it, when it established the semiconductor microsystem engineering department back in 2011. So how can we recreate this? How can we allow universities to create new industrial streams within a country? It goes back to what we said that it has to be based on um, collaborative mindset, what each partner will bring to the table and uh, accordingly it uh, will be. Now, what happened with the semiconductor uh, industry at that time was that uh, the global foundries were uh, acquired by Mubadala, I believe at that time, which is a national company. And they wanted to create that talent, that local talent within the UAE and Masar Institute at the time uh, raised to the call and established uh, that curriculum and the R&D for it. And that model was a beautiful model and could easily be replicated. Um, what we could do is that we need to go to different end players of the industry. And as I said, create that collaborative mindset, explain to them what we can bring to the table against what they are missing and what they will benefit from this and what will be the benefit to the university. That, in my opinion, that partnership where it is a win-win is what it is. And we need to look at excellent examples um, that what happened, let's say, with the IBM MIT Watson lab that it is very much focused on artificial intelligence and uh, IBM doesn't have that multidisciplinary team being the natural scientist, being the biologist, being the neuroscientist, being the social scientist. And they went to MIT to establish more of Watson lab for artificial intelligence advancement. So that is the framework and the model that we need to establish. Another aspect is that spin-offs. Uh, Silicon Valley has been developed based on universities, especially with the Stanford University, who was looking for the outcome of these research into commercialization. So then the big players will go there and support those startups. So there are different models of how we engage with industries. And I feel that that industry coming and supporting startups is something that it's also very much needed here in UAE that we want to do. I'd like to share an example here with the Master BP initiative called Catalyst, where it is equally funded between Master and BP to support startups uh, that it is based on sustainability and clean energy or clean technologies. Now we move towards that. And with all the different models of incubation, I feel that that model is very good model because it's handpicked for projects or businesses that are very much into clean energy and clean technologies. And so far, there are about 15 startups. It's not franchising of this and that, but they are startups. Uh, some of them are in transportation. Some of them are in uh, agriculture and food uh, security and so on and so forth. 
And if we have increased the fund there and we have replicated that model for startups and they will go back to universities for further collaboration and create more of those test beds and research labs. The hundred percent. It's that kind of merge between practice and research that's happening. One last question to finalize our 35th question here. I would like to apologize from our audience who are keep pouring questions into the chat. Unfortunately, uh, I was able to just, uh, we were able only to just answer questions that um, came with, with a unique perspective and uh, and whatever else we will answer, we will answer you in the chat. The last question coming again from Dalia Mahmoud, and she's saying the UAE is also pioneering in securing the cultural and creative industry here. Uh, she wants to give a credit that an industry has been created in UAE based on mass media communication, museums study, art practices, um, and an expansive creative entrepreneurial structure. Technology is the solid foundation, of course, by building the sustainable ground for the uh, creative culture industries to flourish. How can we bridge the gaps between uh, beyond speculation? How can we ensure that UAE, um, uh, the country of UAE, still continues to drive uh, the change, not only at the regional level, but internationally, when it comes to leading this bridge between creative industries and scientific endeavors? It will be very good as a research topic if we look at how we create artists and uh, art talent through artificial intelligence. Imagine a robot that thinks and imagines a, a culture and makes a painting out of it, or um, be able to critique some of the music and that. I mean, that by itself is a huge uh, spectrum of research that could be done and it could be only be done by the scientists and the artists and other players and who are supporting the culture and the art to embrace it and to preserve it. Thank you, doctor. This has been a great uh, and a very short, I would say, one hour and a half uh, conversation with you or two hours conversation in total with you. I would like to thank our global audience coming from across board. I've, I still see um, our audience from Egypt, Lebanon, uh, across board, just sending their chat conversations as well as saying thank you, Dr. Bahjad, for the insights. Um, and uh, uh, thank you for being here with us tonight. I, I know that you prefer to be busy with action. So I would hope that you perceive this panel as an action reform as well with all of our like-minded um, community members here who have contributed to the dialogue and to the conversation. Thank you so much for your uh, contribution. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Hoda. And thank you for being my partner in this hour and a half. I second you that it was the fastest hour and a half that I have been in any webinar forum. And I'd like to thank you and thank the audience and the questions that poured in to keep us all engaged. And uh, I look forward to more dialogues and more actions. And that's where the development will pick up by doing actions and by executing uh, things that we have all said and agreed on. So thank you very much. 
complex. Thank you so much. And thank you for the Institute. Everybody, Shannon, Nahad, uh, um, the great minds behind the Abu Dhabi, NYU Abu Dhabi Institute, who keeps on bringing dialogues to the platform, keep thriving and keep bringing more dialogues. We'll be looking forward for it. Thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to a download from the NYU Abu Dhabi Institute. You'll find more information on our website, www.nyuad.nyu.edu institute.